K-Town is a misnomer. It's called K-Town, but it's all Latinos. Yeah, uh, so that's called K-Town. I see a lot of little short, dark people. Yeah, here. Puro, Puro Oaxacan. Puro Oaxacan Koreans. <laughs> And we are on. Nuna, how are you doing? I am alive and I feel so much less pain than yesterday, so I'm grateful. Wait. <laughs> Ow, and don't make me laugh, no jokes. Wait, by yesterday, you don't mean the day of our panel, right? Honestly, I think it started the day of our panel, wow. which was Thursday. And then Sunday night, um, like I was trying to recover from what I thought was a stomach ache. And then Sunday night, like 1.30, I woke up with this like excruciating pain. And one of my powers that are also downfall is that I have like a really high tolerance for pain. Wow. So I was just kind of up all night um, trying to just kind of move through this pain. And then by 5 a.m., I decided, okay, maybe I need some help. So I um, got in my car and uh, drove myself to the ER. And I know that's not totally recommended, but I thought, like, who could I call at 5 in the morning? How long will it take them to come here? What state would I put them in? Um, when I give them a call that I need to go to the emergency at five in the morning. Wow. And then weighing that with what would it feel like for me to just slowly get in my car and safely but slowly drive to the ER. And I kind of felt like the latter option just felt better to me. I also don't like it when people fuss over me. So I just thought it's just better for me to <laughs> white knuckle it to the hospital without somebody freaking out next to me. So that yeah, I got is... to the ER. That's white knuckling times a hundred thousand. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but it was early enough that there wasn't a lot of traffic. And thankfully, when I got to the ER, um, there was just one person ahead of me. So I would say between checking in and actually getting like a shot of morphine was like an hour and a half, which I think is really, really fast. So I was very lucky. Okay, hold the phone. I mean, for, for a listener who is tuning into this podcast, because we recommended them to check out K-Town is Okay, the podcast, we are getting off to a completely unexpected start. So I we, know we got to wind the clock back just very slightly. You, my yes. friend, are Helen H. Kim. I am Jimmy J.T. Racinos. This is K-Town is Oaxacan Korean. Just for the record, listeners, you have landed in the right place. It's just that yes. not long after our incredible event and panel discussion, we had a misadventure, one might say. Our team had a misadventure as one of us had to go to the ER at the last minute in a completely unexpected turn. Yeah, and so then suddenly K-Town is okay as a medical drama. <laughs> Sorry, Helen H. Kim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so just to wrap up that like long-winded story, um, it turned out it was an uh, appendicitis, so they needed to, they operated on me like the same day, and 
I am coming at you live from my mom and dad's bedroom, uh, lying on my side. Wow. So as to, uh, you know, make my incisions as comfortable as possible. I'm, I'm trying not to just like take too many painkillers because I'm not into like all the crap just getting stuck in my body. But I'm not going to be a hero. I will take painkillers if I need to. But right now, I think this level of pain is is okay. And I'm really happy to be here with you, Tung Zeng. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm already thinking about the show notes. Like, I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> Helen got appendicitis. This podcast has turned into a medical drama, just like you said. And yep. oh, my goodness. But. I'm glad that you're home. Yeah. I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad that it only took about a day. But yeah, I definitely got your text in the morning and thought, wait, this this is something <laughs> I didn't expect seeing. And yeah, I, I definitely texted you throughout the day. And I was definitely wondering how everything was moving forward. And finally, you texted me around six or seven last night letting me know that the procedure had gone well and I'm glad that I'm glad that you are at your parents actually because yeah that's exactly that's exactly about the time that you need to be at your parents home after you got yeah. a surgery at the last minute like this yeah yeah so I still feel good about not having alarmed anybody I mean I think that you definitely need to lead into community but I, you know, I just, I feel good about like just having taken myself to the hospital because I, I knew like what to do. I was familiar with the hospital and everything because I'd taken actually my dad to the ER when he had COVID. So I was comfortable with that whole procedure. And then my parents could, you know, at a more civilized time, uh, do their worrying and fussing and that they're really lovely as were my friends like you. And so, yeah, I mean, for that kind of experience, I feel like it went really well. <laughs> wow. I mean, and so, yes, given this, given that Nuna needs some time at home to recover and replenish herself, we are not in the studio today, but we are recording via Zoom, which, of course, we know how to do. I mean, we only just got through a couple of years in the quarantine or what have you. So we could definitely do this. We can definitely do a recap over Zoom for this installment of K-Town is Okay. Our listeners will be just fine. And clearly our hosts are going to be okay because that's that's the purpose of holding this space, but also doing so mindfully with respect to, with respect to appendicitis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shout out to appendicitis. And also, I feel like this is a nice little homage to our recent event that we're going to get into real soon. Uh, that was on Zoom. I felt like it went really well. Yes. It was amazingly received. Lots of love. And I see um, on our YouTube channel that people have been checking it out since uh, the day that we had the event. So Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and with respect to that, first of all, K-Town is okay. K-Town speaks up one year after the leaked recording. The most the most sort of obvious thing for me in this situation is that like we saved on parking space for dozens and dozens of people. 
in such a critical way because for any event held in K-Town, my oh, goodness, yeah. do you do you want to take public transport or <laughs> an Uber or a Lyft? It is no joke. I was I was actually yeah. in K-Town like the day after our event and mm-hmm. I was grabbing a sandwich <laughs> at an undisclosed location and it was amazing. It was Love around yeah. <laughs> and it was around 7 or 8 in the evening and just cars around the block with no hope whatsoever because everybody's trying to hang out in K-Town and and it's funny when I mentioned to various friends of ours that we were holding this event including that we were holding it online we made sure that they knew that this was an online event after all that they would not have to drive out and yeah. and get through that whole situation because it's very real in this neighborhood yeah yeah for sure i had a similar conversation with people as well and i had to really emphasize it's online yeah so so let me ask you like how do you feel about the event i mean we did a lot of planning there were a lot of conversations there was strategizing multiple google docs um so many whatsapp um uh, messages so after all of that Mr. Sinos how do you feel well after everything it just felt like such a weight off for one given all the planning all the organizing that that this takes but what I was especially grateful for was the rehearsal with our panelists Mm -hmm. the fact that you and I were able to really coordinate and organize going into the event so that everyone sort of knew their cue so that everyone had the same set of expectations around the flow that felt great and then the fact that we ended like you had noted just seven or ten minutes after eight that was huge Mm -hmm. for me as well because it really showed it really showed just how consistent we were in trying to get these discussions out to people, including trying to get our panelists' voice to them while still being mindful of everybody's time. And and then when I think about the fact that, as I had mentioned during the panel itself, the fact that those who came really stayed the whole way through, that meant a lot to me, especially at a time when like Zoom and going through like these panel discussions, I'd say is not entirely on the way out, but people are definitely like looking to meet in person again. And, and people are definitely looking to sort of create space together physically once again. But I feel as though it was very respectful of everybody's time and everyone's schedule to create an online space that we could all coordinate for. And so I was really happy that all these yeah. things came together like that. And and I I was completely blown away by what our panelists had to say and and even the questions that were generated. And I'm yeah. incredibly grateful that we could put this together like that. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I think you and I sort of touched base on this theme throughout like the preparation where, you know, there are so many moving parts and Things could shift so dynamically depending on who was able to join us for the panel. You know, if we, if we could have some administrative support, you know, um, 
but I, I think particularly like who was going to be part of the panel. And there were several people beyond the the amazing four that we were reaching out to and, and they had like different perspectives and stuff. So that would just kind of change the shape. And I think um, dealing with like our first event, of course, it's natural for us to feel um, some level of anxiety or nervousness about the unknown. And so, you know, we would feel that as, you know, we're waiting for people to reply to us um, and just kind of wondering how they would take that. But then I think you and I both concurred every time we touched base on this, that we had peace, that whoever was going to be available and interested, that um, it was just going to create a really organic shape around the conversation and it was going to be great no matter what, you know. And so... I think that that sort of sense of confidence and peace um, just really kind of held us steady throughout, even with all of the unknowns and changing of things and and being meticulous about uh, curating the program. And then the event itself, yeah, I was really amazed. Like, I agree with you. I was, like, the time thing, that's, like, the first thing that comes to mind because, you know, I, I just kept talking about the time thing. It was, like, so important to me for whatever reason for us to be um, maintaining that, I think because first and foremost, I just wanted to be respectful of people's time. Um, those who are, you know, behind the scenes, like Richard and us and the panelists, but also the audience. And I feel like respect goes a really long way, even in these small kind of ways. And um, yeah, everyone was like, so on top of it, it was incredible. I was, I, I just felt like we were like, a military or something, just like moving information so well. Um, <laughs> But within that structure, though, there was like a lot of um, just really great conversations. And I loved how each of our panelists sort of like sat in the pocket of their 15 minutes with so much like ease and grace. And I, I, I don't want to like out her, but I will. Like I know Monica was nervous and she took a shot of mascal before we started. <laughs> but once we did, whatever she was feeling inside, like she was just so present and Actually, somebody came to visit me today um, just to see how I was doing. And she mentioned how she loved, um, you know, Monica and just what she had to say. And and then this friend also just kind of went through each person and commented on how everyone was like so great. And um, I just felt so proud because I felt like it was a small showcase of just the dynamic stories, the passion, the knowledge, the confidence, like self-assuredness. Yeah. Um, that was featured in the panel. And, you know, I'm kind of one more thing I guess I'll say is um, I just was really moved by how um, our panelists felt so confident about the future of Koreatown. Yeah. Um, and I feel like some of that energy, I mean, each person brought their own sense of um, hope for the future, but I think it was really like kind of built up by the group dynamic, you know, like one person talked about how they were so like Monica talked about her hopeful, um, you know, outlook for the future, then that like really sort of inspired, you know, quasi and then like, you know, you can kind of see the buildup. And this is why community is so important, you know, even in sort of um, creating a sense of hope and optimism for the future, one person can have a vision, but when a group of people come together and have, you know, add on to that vision, it's like so incredible. So I just felt like, um, yeah, I, I just was so grateful to our panelists for all that they had to share. And, and I think the audience members were moved by that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, to think that there were so many people who were exposed to our panelists' voices for the first time ever, all in one sitting like that, I think is such a huge takeaway. I I feel mm -hmm. as though, just as you pointed out, the team of panelists who we refer to as the dream team, they... They each had just an excellent analysis of their lived experience in K-Town that they were also kind enough to reflect on with us. So even though they all had enough to say that that could fill up a podcast episode, at the very least, everyone was respectful enough of everybody else's time so that we could get these stories out in community with one another and and with respect to each other. So I really enjoyed that. And I, I was so overcome by it that at the end, I invited everybody on our behalf mm -hmm. to be a guest on our podcast. So yeah. as to continue the discussion, I think that's, that's a huge next step for us because I love that, just as you said, for someone such as Monica, for example, it was her first time being mm -hmm. featured on a panel, but clearly it should not be her last because she's yeah. someone with quite a lot to say and, and is not the only one. Each of our panelists were like superstars during this event. And so a huge thanks goes out to them. We cannot thank yeah. them enough, actually, for coordinating with us and for really bringing this together step by step. Yes, for sure. And um, just for my part, I, I didn't really get to interact with that too much before the uh, the event. And I just really appreciated what he had to say, you know. Right. So just, I mean, I could say that about everyone, but I think it was striking for me with Vlad because, um, you know, it was really my first time getting to sort of like sit back and, and listen to some of his um you know, uh, perspectives and experiences and stuff. So I can't wait for these podcasts when they air. Well, yes. we have to do them first. But <laughs> of course, yeah. a whole other scheduling situation. But my my gut tells me that it's going to be much simpler, much more seamless than yes. all that it took for K-Town is OK's first ever panel event this November, November Second, twenty twenty three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh I mean, I think I, you know, somebody knock me down a couple pegs if if I'm wrong, but I feel like <laughs> you did an amazing job. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love. So I have a question. I loved our coordination. Oh, sorry, no, by all means. Yeah. I, I just I loved how everything flowed into everything else. We didn't miss a beat. So you you go ahead. You were saying. I just was curious if from the actual content that our panelists shared, if there was something that was like particularly interesting to you or surprising mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. new or something you already knew, wait, something new as an N-E-W yeah. or something you already knew, K-N-E-W, but like uh, you appreciated how they highlighted it or worded it. Well, there were there were a number of recurring themes for me. One thing that I had mentioned as we were wrapping up with Vlad was this sense of language accessibility. Everyone, mm -hmm. going back to Monica when she was talking about this sense of movement, this sense of flow, and a sense of community with her culture that she didn't have quite the words for, but that she knew by memory. 
that I realized mm. was all about describing a code, a code, mm. a way of getting through the world, very unique to her and the, the people closest to her, her family members who speak this language and who hail from this far along the road. And so she sort of got that going in my mind for a moment. And then when Vlad was talking a little bit about being at UCLA, what he noted was that despite it being a predominantly white space and despite him sort of doing this code switching to sort of reflect the vernacular of an institution like UCLA, when he saw one of his contemporaries, very instinctually, he said, hey, you a rocker? Hey, boo, you a rocker, mm-hmm. to be certain. And like that, I, I thought was another code, another way of recognizing each other through it. The same was true mm-hmm. when Quasi was talking about his experiences getting through the neighborhood. He picked up on social cues. He looked at the way people treated him in order to respond in turn. And that was also the case with Susan when she was talking a lot about the different classes that people hail from in Korea and also language marginalization, the way that like Mm -hmm. this language and, and people's codes actually have been ridiculed by the predominant culture and how really like there is no painting these communities with a broad stroke because they all reflect particularities that we could spend a lifetime sifting through. And so just when we, and so even when we say K-Town is complex, K-Town is full of culture, that is truly an understatement because what each of these folks described were multiplicitous worlds, multiplicitous ways of looking at one's time out there, one's time with others and one's time with oneself. And so I thought for our panel to be able to highlight this really broken new ground for the neighborhood in ways that I haven't seen before. And I'm excited about the sort of seeds we can continue to nurture from here on out through that. Mm, Yeah, yeah, totally. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, something that really struck me, um, and maybe it's because like uh, throughout the most of the program, I was just sort of like, okay, what's the next thing? How many minutes do we have? You know? Um, So maybe I just was more settled in, um, you know, when we were having the group Q&A, which um, I'm so grateful we had a little bit of time to do that. Um, Something Susan said, uh, yeah, so I I mentioned this before, but before I get into this, I'll say like, it just was really um, powerful and palpable to just have a group conversation, you know, just to have um, everyone have their own time, but just a group coming together. There was something really um, important about that, you know, and I think you, you know, are basically saying that as well. So um, in that context, in the group context, when Susan said, you know, it's really difficult for a bunch of eclectic grown-ups to come together into one space and to understand each other, that's just not going to happen. Right. But then the understanding and the way forward happens with their children and then their children. And, you know, obviously, um, I, I don't want to discount some of the ways in which our parents, you know, the, the first generation reached across lines to, to connect. And I know that there are those stories as well. But on the whole, 
yeah, there's a, a lack of understanding of the other experience. And there's so many valid reasons why that happened, right? These people are in survival mode and they're trying to retain their own um, cultures and heritage. And they're trying to, you know, uh, create a, a sense of place for themselves. But now, you know, with the next generations that come after, there's this really special, unique honor of bridging a way forward that is uh, much more empathetic and reaching across cultures while still being respectful. And so I think on that theme, because I also saw themes like you did, um, when, when Susan talked about that, I saw kind of sense of like nodding of heads, you know? Yeah. And then when... Um, you know, multiple people, like basically everyone was saying, yeah, my childhood, yes, things shifted. And there was more of, you know, more Koreans at one point, less Koreans, more uh, Latinos or Latinx, you know, folks or different things like that. But like there's this overall experience of having, you know, like Monica was saying, playing Chinese jump rope with like a Chinese friend and having a black friend and Korean friends and just having this fusion experience that I, I know that that's happening in other parts of the city, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just biased towards K-Town, but there's this really unique, special, kind of diverse experience people are having, even though we do have strife because of differences and kind of delineations that people make or whatever, you know, um, that the, the sort of um, coming together happens on the playground. And then that just gets embedded into our understanding of like the world. And that is the the place from which we can, you know, have these conversations. And I just felt like uh, Susan breaking it down like that in like a really simple, succinct way of why it has taken us to this time to start really getting into this work. And again, I don't mean to say that to like um, uh, discount the work that has come before. I mean, all of the work that has been done before to create bridges and to create understanding is how we're able to be here today, like that idea of standing on the shoulders of giants. So I'm not saying that this work hasn't been done before, but I feel like there's this fresh new energy to do that work. And I think the conversation that we had as a group the other night was just such a, a great sort of um, uh, open call, you know, for that to to happen and continue to happen and like really just dynamic and interesting ways. I can't wait to see um, what comes of all of that. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think that just as you said, for Susan to point out that there's one generation and that generation is breaking barriers, starting atop new grounds and like paving a way forward for those who come after them. For us to reflect on exactly how this has played out in K-Town and, and how, especially when others have been tasked with telling the story, that is people who don't exactly have this familiarity, this grown and lived experience with a place as dynamic as K-Town and with the people specifically in K-Town and Los Angeles overall, it goes to show that, that it matters when that next generation, the one that K.W. Lee was calling to, actually steps up and says, we're still here and we are willing to do the work. We are willing to have those conversations with the rest of our community. We're willing to, to take on as much as we can 
in order to define or redefine this place so that it is better for each of us one step at a time. So mm. I, I really feel as though Ketan is okay culminated and and it really was after a year of these interviews with other like-minded folks in and around K-Town. Shout out to the Pico Union area as well, because we have a lot of people yep. who are just next door in a neighborhood that's just as dynamic, but that's very much in convo with, with this central portion of LA that has so much going on, so many different needs. But at the end of the day, a lot of potential that clearly our panel demonstrated just an inkling of. Yeah. And, you know, um, I I would even say maybe all the people that we have had the pleasure of interviewing and having conversations with, maybe they're not like-minded. You know, maybe they have different points of view because of like the different positionality of them in like the world and in, you know, um, so economically politically who knows right but i think the unifying thing is everyone has such a deep love and respect for the community and all the all the things that make it make it what it is you know so to have such like different perspectives but all coming together united for the love of community is i think what is like what is kind of buoyed us and helped us to move this along and what is allowed for so much like love and support to come our way you know Mm -hmm. And I remember just before we jumped on the, like before we went live with the event, Quasi said, yeah, just any opportunity to talk about my neighborhood or this neighborhood, you know? And I, I man, I vibed with that so much. I'm mm-hmm. like, I know exactly what he's talking about. Even mm-hmm. though we had such different experiences growing up, you know, in and around the neighborhood. But mm-hmm. like that love, it just feels so familiar, you know? So it's, I mean, I I don't mean to be like so sappy, but at the end of the day, it's like all about the love. That's right. That's right. It's not Mm -hmm. sappy. I love this side of you, Nuna. (laughs) Thank you. So what else do you want to talk about? So because our event was full of so many notes, we, as noted, um, informed our attendees that if they had questions, they could submit them into the Q&A and that we would do our best to sift through those questions and shout out as many as we could. And so prior to hopping on for this recording, you and I agreed that shouting each question out would be good and picking one out of the bunch to answer or get into more details for makes a lot of sense. So I kind of want to go through all those questions generated by our attendees because I want to show off a little bit in terms of what our panel discussion generated, the kind of ideas that it got people talking about and reaching out to us about. I want folks to know in this recap how thoughtful our attendees were and how we look to engage with exactly what they're asking us in due time. Yeah. Um, Do you want me to read the questions or do you want to do them? Maybe we can take turns reading a few of these. Okay. Yeah. If that's okay. okay. Yeah. You go first. Okay. I have, I have the questions right in front of me here. 
Okay. So our first question is from Eric. Shout out to Eric, who had a range of great questions for us. He yeah. noted that currently living in K-Town, I certainly feel the squeeze of rising rent prices. Is there legislation or action we can take to protect ourselves from the gouging of this beautifully diverse neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll read another question that's also from Eric, just to keep them together. Yeah. Um, he asked, how can we better, how can we be better allies specifically to Ohakian and Korean identifying persons? Is there distinctive behavior or language that comes to mind in that regard? Also, for those who aren't bilingual and only speak English, are there opportunities to still help those who need better language access? Beautiful questions. For reals. Yeah. And, and so these are questions that very much inform our project. Even, even yep. since the foundation, you and I were definitely talking about accessibility, about reaching out to our various communities and also about what's at stake in the neighborhood should it continue to go on underseen and under discussed especially when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable people there the people who we know and love and appreciate just a handful of whom we were able to feature on the panel so especially when eric asks for example whether there's legislation whether there are any movements uh, with respect to these communities, we can say right off the bat that there are a range of different proposals, different groups of advocacy out there, people who are really looking to care and uplift this community. We want to lift them up. And I can say, if you think it's okay, very passingly that that the Koreatown Youth, Youth and Community Coalition is just one example of that. We were able to interview mm -hmm. Steve very early on in our process for K-Town is OK. And Steve noted that there are ways to really engage with this complex neighborhood at, at the day-to-day -day level and also at the level of advocacy. So just one brief shout out to KYCC with respect to this. But there are so many different orgs because the people who we care about in this neighborhood have people who love and and are up lifting them uh, to the best of their ability all over the city and definitely beyond just as well, which we'll get into, but with due time. Yeah, just a quick little correction. I think KYCC stands for Koreatown Youth and Community Center. But, yeah. you know, Coalition is great too. Yeah, I <laughs> always get that one mixed that up too. I know. I mean, there's so many acronyms and it's like uh, really, you know, like Cielo. I think a lot of people say my Cielo because that's um, the their oh, Instagram right. handle. But I think <laughs> the organization is actually Cielo. So, you know, there's just a lot of like these sort of little confusions going around. Um, yes. Do you want to read the question from Aura or Aura? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another excellent question. So Aura asked, yeah. what are your thoughts on the growing demographic changes in K-Town? where more than 60% of its residents are Latine or Latinos or Latinas. So this is another question that, that I think, especially when we consider a little bit of, of what we discussed with Vlad, 
where we talked about the future, the future being full of possibilities, that mm-hmm. that is very much at play when it comes to this question just as well. There's there's also so much that we that we can only begin to ask at the outset of say work to build more community in K-Town, work to build more of a staying power in K-Town that that are going to shift, that are going to transform as we delve further into that. And and so I think that that there are a range of convos taking place out there about how a neighborhood such as K-Town can get more engagement with its residents, can look at both the past as well as the present and see how to bridge those specifically so that people and legacy businesses and legacy residents and residents like them maintain their place in this part of Los Angeles. There's a lot going on there and and we invite those including those who are working in these spaces to come on to our podcast, to come and speak with us, to tell us a little bit about where they are in terms of their organizing process for a community such as this one. And by all means, let's get into it. That's what this space is about upholding. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent a brief answer to a big, broad question that we are going to come back to time and time again, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So let me read the final question here from Joyce. Yes. Um, I'm not going to pretend Joyce is a very good friend of mine. I love her. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Shout Joyce, out to Joyce. Uh, so, yes. Thank um, you for my My research partner event. for the other thing. Yes. Um, so she said, it is evident that socio-geopolitical factors resulted in an attempt to divide the citizens of Koreatown, whether by cultural barriers, language barriers, and disparities in resource access. I wonder what efforts have been made historically to unite the community and what possibilities exist as a way forward from this amazing event and panel. How can we mobilize and create a cohesive ad- advocacy plan? Ooh, that's that's a big set of questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if maybe we can, um, um, sort of think through the second question she Mm -hmm. asked, which is what possibilities exist as a way forward from this amazing event and panel? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we can answer that question and also, also do so with respect to the earlier question, because I want to note that when, for example, Monica, as you were saying, notes that she was playing jump rope with Chinese kids and her black friends and beyond. And then when Quasi notes that he was skating in the neighborhood and that like for the longest time, Quasi was just in community with other young people like himself, especially even before they thought more critically about things like race, about identifiers Mm. such as race. For me, it's kind of like, there's an instance in which the neighborhood is coming together and it's completely organic and it's not all about organizing and and sort of forcing relation or relationship mm-hmm. into being but but nevertheless allowing it to flow and and I think in the future if we want to think about preserving preserving K-town for people like Monica and people like Quasi then we have to keep just those stories very much in mind. How How is it that we can create space in K-Town that allows 
people of various backgrounds, of various cultures, of various languages to come together to learn with each other and to move forward organically from there on. So to, to some extent, the the answer is kind of in between the lines, but but it has yeah. existed that space, but that space has existed up to a point in in very private, very intimate ways. And again, that that speaks to the power of creating these kinds of spaces, because then we allow folks to reveal that to the rest of us. And, and that allows us to inform our process going forward, all the more so. Yeah, I agree with that so much. And um, some aspect of um, Joyce and even Eric's questions um, which is totally understandable is maybe a question about are there formalized ways or infrastructures or some kind of organizing or, you know, that kind of thing that we can sort of lean into or develop. And certainly, yes, um, it is always um, helpful to have some formal um, guidelines, you know, to instruct somebody or to inform somebody, educate somebody. It's also um you know, just tools are helpful, but really at the end of the day, when you're talking about community, you know, it's, um, it's really the, the space, it's, it's much more organic and it's about the stories that we tell. It's about amplifying stories and creating opportunities for the coming together of people so that they can share these stories and just be informed and nourished and um, inspired, you know? And so um, I think you and I are figuring out how that looks like with this um, platform that we've created, K-Town is okay. But for those that are out there who I know everyone has stories, I just encourage you to just uh, have a posture of sharing your story and to be curious about other people's stories. The more we hear from each other, uh, I think the more the empathy grows, you know, and um, we can give ourselves permission to be proactive, to seek out and to be curious and to ask questions. And um, even in terms of how are we respectful in doing that? And again, there are formalized ways that you can maybe learn some basics of how to right. be respectful and how to figure out what other people's boundaries are. But also, honestly, it takes your courage to just sort of go into that liminal space and to maybe sometimes make mistakes, sometimes say the wrong thing. And I think that is so important. It's, it's, we all need permission to make mistakes and just be human as we engage with each other and to give each other like that space and compassion, you know? And I think so long as the intention is to be respectful and to, to come together and to create a sense of community, um, all of those mistakes are just part of the informing and it's kind of like fertilizer. It's creating that nutrient rich soil from which we can grow. And I know for me personally, um, engaging with people in our interviews and Jimmy, you've heard me just kind of, you know, fret over mistakes that I've made or ways in which I've stepped on toes and, yeah. you know, that's been really tough for me, but actually that's a really important part of engaging in community. You have to take chances and you will make mistakes and that is okay. Yeah, and one especially on that note, one thing I loved was that even going into the event, you had noted in one of our last IG posts that like you thought you knew K-Town up to a point before this project and then through it you actually found out a 
whole lot more. And I feel as though that was the exact same experience for me. I, I, I sort of knew or I understood that we were going to speak with various folks. I just didn't think that we would find as much generosity from those that we would connect with and that it would be so timely with respect to mm -hmm. this project. I think I think last year's leaked recordings out of LA City Hall, as our panelists pointed out, were certainly catalysts. They definitely led to a path forward for especially, say, an organization such as My Cielo or the KYCC and other orgs in and around these neighborhoods to come together and, and talk about solidarity and really work towards that. But I think even beyond that, the people that we spoke to, including our panelists, maybe most of all our panelists, they were folks who simply love this neighborhood, who are simply crazy about this neighborhood the way we are. And, and whatever work lies ahead between us and, mm -hmm. and, and with respect to the various communities that we're each uniquely a part of, we don't know, but we do know that like, for the work to hold steady, we need to all be crazy about the same thing. <laughs> we are. Yeah. And we are. We're crazy yeah. about K-Town. K-Town has made us crazy for, for uh, the neighborhood. And like, that's not going away anytime soon. And that is just such a fundamental ingredient in informing what the process forward is going to look like for folks because we each tap into the homes that we know we each speak with the range of different parents i love quasi shouting out the fact that his mom still lives in the neighborhood and then some so all of those people that is the other people the so-called six degrees of separation like by all means let's make it work right in this neighborhood and see who else is interested in doing more here because little did our parents likely know as our predecessors that generations down the line we'd we'd be holding such space we'd be looking to place mm -hmm. their experiences into relief or perspective we have each also talked about how our parents are not necessarily the most vocal or the most involved when it comes to these types of discussions, but they're rich in experience with other people, including people who they don't necessarily share a language or a historical upbringing with. There they are, and now here we are. So all of these things click, and and I think it's it's really it's really just an affirmation of all the time and all the effort that we've placed into crafting this because now that we've done it we we are adamantly looking forward to seeing who is looking to partner with us uh, we we're totally about seeing who wants to support this project all the more so, so that we can speak with more people, so that we can bring more and more of the folks into this neighborhood, especially because it has such incredible potential. So all of those things click for me with respect to these questions and, and our event, all of them are in community and, and I'm so grateful to be a part of that. Yeah, 100%, everything you said.
<laughs> so Joyce, we hope that answered your question. We we didn't necessarily plan to uh, each get on our podium like that, but I, I like the spontaneity of it. And and here we are. That's that's what K Town is okay is too. It it is a lot of improvising, even though we're very methodic planners. We we definitely methodically planned for our panel event to flow as smoothly as it did. That that did not just happen. That isn't to say yeah, that you it, did a lot of work. Jimmy. Yeah. We each did. We each did. And and that isn't to say that it wouldn't flow as smoothly without that planning and prep. But lo and behold, like we weren't gonna let it happen without those things. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, before we we uh, say bye, like mm-hmm. thank you again to Richard. Yes, he was so amazing, Jimmy. Thank you for bringing him on board. Wow, I know. Yeah. Richard Martinez. Richard Martinez is just such an incredible person and so gung ho about all the work that we're up to. Rich, we are just so happy to have been able to receive your support throughout this rigorous planning process and like for sure we will be reaching out to you for more work and more partnership in the days ahead because we see that you that you can very much connect with the urgency and the importance of this project at this time and like going back to those ingredients going back to those those key factors rich you connect with us on each of them. So by all means, our our biggest thanks are extended to you for your incredible yes. support. Yes, and they are so on top of it with um, editing, proofreading. Um, you know, I bemoan the fact that I didn't go to them more before hitting send. Because <laughs> immediately after, he, you know, Rich would be like, oh, there's this and that. I'm like, oops. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, Richard is amazing on so many different fronts. Very gifted. And then um, one last shout out to Mickey Lee. Mickey Mickey Lee. Who is that? Mickey Peck. Mickey Hundred. She. uh, Yeah, the artwork was so incredible. And I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but she made a. I, I won't read it now, but. She made a note that um, she was just really happy that her artwork was being uh, was aligned with, um, but it was such a great opportunity to have her artwork be aligned with this philosophy that we have, that her work um, was seen in a way that she's always hoped that it would be seen for the community, for the way forward, uh, even you know honoring the 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 place from which we came you know she didn't say all of that but that's the meaning that I took from it and that just felt so satisfying to me um, that she felt like her work was being used um, for good you know so oh absolutely and shout out to you for bringing Mickey's artwork in and for working through the process of incorporating another K-Town community members artwork into this conversation right so going back to bringing a range of people together all of whom are playing different parts along this train this little choo-choo train as i like to think of it that goes the distance that 
that was really cool. And, and I can still remember when you were proposing the event name and it took me and how it took me a day or so for, yeah for its, for its specificity to really sink in. And then lo and behold, now we can look back and if not you, then who is going to stand the test of time, baby, because, because it's worthwhile and it's honing in on us on a very specific message, full of care, full of concern and appreciation for the work that it takes to maintain these communities and to let the city live and let the city live up to its full potential at that. So yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was really cool. And I'm so glad that you mentioned Mickey Peck in this. Yes, absolutely. Well, all right. Yeah, this has been an awesome recap. And there was one more note that I wanted to make, but let me see if I can recall it very briefly now. Mm. So we had an amazing panel. And mm-hmm. as noted, we are inviting each of our panelists to come onto our podcast and be our guests. We would absolutely love for them to join the show soon. We haven't had a guest yet. I love that we've had just these podcasts between us, Nuna, but now yeah. we're going to share the microphone too with our with our soon-to-be guests. Love it. And then, yeah, and then I think there was a slight reveal that I wanted to get into, but what was the reveal? Oh, yeah, now I remember. So with the panel out of the way, with all of the organizing and planning and prepping for that out of the way, I want to take the initiative to get back on K-Town is Okay, the TikTok, and to run with that for a little bit. So... I just wanted to let you know, Nuna, that I'm going to be spending some time with our TikTok page at K-Town is Okay, and I think you're going to like it, but you're going to have to give me some time. Okay, I'm all all for you making our TikTok happen. Um, And I guess uh, one last thing we can leave our um, listeners with is if you've missed the, if you missed the event, or if you want to rewatch, you can go ahead and take a look um, on YouTube. We will have the partic- the specific URL in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And thank you to each viewer for checking out our discussion. And, and by all means, please be sure that you're subscribed to this show, to K-Town is Okay, the podcast. And if you want to go the distance, go ahead and tap into our newsletter just as well, because you can always forward that along to somebody else in K-Town who you know, who might be interested in telling their story, whose story we would love to hear and feature at ktownisok.com. The future is very bright. And I have to thank you, Nuna, for all of the dedication on your part and for really helping to move us forward through so much of the storm that that this kind of artistic and educational undertaking can be. I couldn't have gotten here without you and K-Town is okay. Couldn't be here without each of us and Richard and our panelists. So just the biggest thanks from my heart to yours and the rest of the team out there. Right back at you, Jimmy. My Tongzheng. Yes. All right. Okay. I think we did it. Yeah. All right. We did it. I'm going to go back to laying down. Please do. (laughs) 
<laughs> please do please recover soon and i can't wait to get back into the studio with you and thank yes. you to our listeners for bearing with a slight change in quality here but remember it's k-town is okay and it's k-town so we have to be gritty and we have to be improvising from time to time that's exactly what this has been but we do it that's because right. we love it anyway yes Okay. Okay. Bye for now. Bye for now. See you soon. Talk soon. Thanks again, Nuna. K Town's a misnomer. It's called K Town, but it's all Latinos. Yeah, um, that's so what's hers? Yeah, that's called K Town. I see a lot of little short, dark people. Yeah, Puro Oaxacan. Puro Oaxacan Koreans. Oaxacan. Oaxacan.